Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck and I'll be your host. And this episode is called Four Wheeling. And I think um, when you get the segment, you'll understand. Um, you know, a lot of people, when they go four wheeling, they, you know, go uphill, go downhill, get to change gears, kind of get adjusted to the terrain. And that's exactly what this episode is about. And first of all, I do want to say I apologize for being a hiatus for a while. Um, I've had some major issues, especially with my relationship, so I apologize for not being around for a while, not that I don't care about my podcast anymore or my listeners, Um, there's just been a lot of stuff going on, but hopefully I'll be able to catch up, but this episode should be pretty interesting and it might give you a little hint of what I've been going through lately. So with that being said, thank you again for listening. everybody and again welcome to living in the third degree with BPD um, I might have to apologize for some of the noise in the background um, partly because of what I've been going through lately I'm um, having to do this recording from my vehicle which I usually don't don't like doing because that pick up a lot of background noise and to me it's a little unprofessional but I figured you know recording somewhere is better than no recording anywhere but the reason I call this episode four-wheeling is because um, most people who would be kind of familiar with um, four-wheeling, whether it be you know in an all-terrain vehicle or um, you know four-wheel drive vehicle, is you know when you're out and about on the terrain, you have to you know shift and drive you know according to the terrain. If it's you know rocky, you got to hold into the steering wheel tight. Um, you know, put the four-wheel drive in to get your proper traction. Going down a smooth terrain, you can ease up a little bit. Um, you know, let your grip go a little bit on the steering wheel. So it's all about adjusting to the terrain and you know the um, element of the surprise. You know, you come around a corner, there's a tree there, you gotta grab them quick and whip around it, and so forth. So what's been going on lately is 
um, most of you who are regular listeners um, understand that me and my wife had gotten a divorce um, a little over a year and a half ago, but got back together here and there. She still says I'm a husband, I still say I'm her wife, she says it was just on paper. Long story short, um, in the beginning when we got back together a year and a half ago on Mother's Day, um, you know, I'd be there for about a week, uh, two weeks, moving my stuff in, she'd tell me to leave. So finally, it came to the point where I'm renting a, a room from relatives, and then I go up there, and the record in the last, I'd say, eight months has been, um, I want to say six, maybe seven days at the most before she'll tell me to get my stuff and get out. And no, I never claim I'm an angel. Absolutely never. Um, and what really sucks is all the research that I've done on borderline personality disorder, whether it be reading videos, talking to people, talking to my counselor, I should know when to shut my mouth. And I don't. Sometimes I use my knowledge to my advantage. Um, and unfortunately, that's the worst thing I ever wanted her to think, was that I was learning about her disorder, not out of love, but to, um, you know, get around it. Um, like, she almost thinks I was, like, trying to get into her head to deceive her, and that's never what it's been about. In the beginning, originally, it was to find out, is it me? You know, am I causing her to act like this? Um, you know, and more or less, try to probably lift the blame off of me because she used to say a lot of the times that, um, you know, I have my disorders because of you, and I wanted to prove otherwise. But and then as it went on, I figured I could utilize the knowledge I was gaining to help our relationship, and in many ways it has. And I'll throw out there again, I swear on um, anybody who wants to um, practice um, DBT, Dialectical Behavior Therapy, it's unbelievable. Um, I, from what I remember reading, it was originally designed for people with borderline personality disorder to um, get them to learn mindfulness, step back, you know those moments when we go, shit, I wish I wouldn't have said this, or if I could go back, I would have said this, or done this, that's what it... <clears throat> excuse me, trains you and enables you to do. So, I've tried and tried and tried to get her to do couples DBT. She won't. Um, she's in a state of denial that the only reason she has episodes is because of everybody else. She doesn't deny she has borderline, but she claims that her, you know, triggers and everything is because of everybody else. So she shouldn't need to get help for what people are doing to make her sort of come out. Which, in a way... <clears throat> I don't want to say it's an excuse. You can't expect people around you to understand your disability and conform to you. Um, they shouldn't have to, not even, you know, a spouse. I did because, like I said, for the main reason I wanted to be able to make our relationship a lot better. But it, it, at the same time, like I said, many times... I bragged that I did it out of love, and I should have never let her know it because, you know, like I said, now she kind of believes that I do it to deceive her, and it's not true. But anyways, so back to the four women. Um, you know, we've been together 31 years. Um, 
I love her with all my heart and soul. I'll support her, love her, be with her to the day I die. I told her, I said, you know, when people get married, two people agree upon it. Two people say vows, two people are supposed to stick by those vows. When a divorce comes, it's either one or both that no longer want to live by those vows or feel that they have reason to believe they shouldn't, they don't have to, whatever the reason may be. When she divorced me, it's not that I contested it or fought it, I just didn't show up. It would have killed me, I would have broke down in the courtroom and said that I looked her in the eyes and swore an oath under God and witnesses that I would love her to the day I die. For richer for better, I'm sorry, for richer for poor, better for worse, for sickness and in health, to death to us part, and I mean that. I told her, you divorced me, I did not divorce you. My vows still stick. I still go up there and make sure she has food for animals, food for herself, electricity, utilities, why I have my own place. And she knows in her heart I don't have to do it as many times she feels, I divorced you, I'm not accepting anything from you, but then she has to swallow her pride because one time she was in the dark for three days. So... So, the good thing and the bad thing is, originally when, like, she let me move in a little bit, you know, I had a drawer to put clothes in, brought a couple pieces of furniture, you know, had a place to lay my head, and she would throw her fits and make me leave, and it would be, she'd be a little reluctant on it because I had nowhere else to go, but then when I would start, you know, swallowing my pride and say, okay, I'm leaving, sleep in my car, that became more of a normal, well, go sleep in your car, when we fought. Well, then, it started getting cold, so that's when I started renting a place from a relative. But that makes it so much... So, by me having opportunities, you know, whether it's my car or, you know, now a place to go, she doesn't feel so guilty about, oh, he's gonna sleep in his car, so... It's so much easier for her to say, you know, leave. Now, at the beginning, I, you know, put up a fight about it. She told me to leave. You know, and it hurts. It really does hurt. So I'd be really reluctant and, you know, would put up an argument about leaving. Well, then, a couple of people and some research I'd done, and my counselor said, you know, that gives her, like, a sense of power, you know. So now, when she says leave, a lot of no fun. I'm going to leave. I don't care if I have to sleep in my car, if I have to, you know, drive an hour home, you know, which it is. Um, you know, whatever the case may be, I'm going to leave. So, you know, in the beginning, you know, after a few times, I'd be like, fine, I'll leave. So then I finally started telling them, the first time you tell me to leave, I don't care how serious it is or anything. When you say the words, leave, I'm leaving. No F stands the butts. And honestly, there would be times, no, you're not leaving. I was just testing you. So, well, guess what? I already warned you ahead of time. When you said, leave, I was leaving. You knew way ahead of time. It's not your ball game to be, you know, I'm testing or anything like that. The rule was, you say, leave, I'm leaving. So, and there was many times like that. And I just wanted to see if you'd leave. Well, again, I already warned you before. Don't play dumb. You say, leave, and then leave. And of course, yeah, it killed me. Go home and look at our pictures and you know, make these collages and, you know, be depressed and cry. And the thing I've learned is 
you know, over the years they learn where your buttons are, but a lot of times we make the mistakes of opening ourselves too much and letting them know our weak spots. And I made the mistake one time and I said, you know what really makes me mad? I said, I'll be at home crying looking at our pictures and you'll send me a picture of you smiling like you're all happy. Well, lo and behold, I shouldn't have done that because now every time she'll send pictures and say, don't you want to know why I'm smiling? Don't you want to know why I'm happy? So I went and opened that, you know, opened up Pandora's box on that one. But, you know, back to what I was saying, now it's, it literally is like every three days. Sometimes I take, you know, one or two changes of clothes. It used to be, you know, a pack of suitcases and some extra shoes and pretty much have my trunk loaded with stuff. Why bother now? So we had gone almost six days and the thing is those six days I you know the thing is with borderline personality disorder with anything it's a flaw somewhere it's nothing nothing's perfect nothing is foolproof and this one time I said I'm gonna really I'm gonna shut my mouth I'm gonna try to practice uh, DBT and do the best I can and see if I can take you know, the reins on this disorder a lot more than in the past. But you also have to wonder, you know, it's the, um, you know, all the triggers, you know, environmental triggers, um, other people that are around us, you know, stresses, it just it always have to be me, which I also have to put in the forefront of my mind. It's not always you, and it's not. But, if I'm the biggest, you know, common denominator, you know, maybe that could be the bulk of it so anyways the one time where it did go to six days um you know like i said i've known her for 31 years i know when she's ready to have an episode when she's like slipping away she'll stare at the wall and just be really quiet um but again with the walking on eggshells it's literally you know watching you know certain tv shows and um anything that may trigger an old memory you know, I've had many times she'd go in the bathroom and I'd, you know, um, see the movie we're going to be watching and go, oh my god, change it quick before she comes out of the bathroom. Well, I didn't like that movie, you know, kind of like you nip it in the butt. But that's the thing that sucks about walking on eggshells is I constantly have to be on the lookout for the triggers. You know, and what makes me mad sometimes, I'll sit there and look at her and say, you know, she doesn't realize how lucky she is. She can literally walk around, not have to worry about any certain sounds or a certain song or humming a certain tune or you know whistling Dixie uh, putting things in a certain place because she's a woman with disorder so she's not going to trigger herself off but you know if I happen to go to the bathroom at the wrong time then she doesn't think I have to go or well you just went 20 minutes ago why you got to go to the bathroom right now again you know I always have to think about those things and <clears throat> you know um one time, I, I don't know why, I had an extreme, oh, I know what it was, it was a medication I had started, and it was causing me to get really thirsty. As a matter of fact, my throat's a little dry right now from it, too. But, um, I had gone out, and I remember on the third drink, I caught myself and I said, shit. I said, I guarantee she's going to think something's up at this constant running in and getting a drink. As soon as I come back in the bedroom, first thing I hear is, what do you want? doing drugs and so I explained to her about the medication I says you know mouth and I mean dry mouth blah 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 
So anyways, I, I kind of veered off. What I'm trying to say is I'm always constantly looking out for the, for the triggers. And it's, it's not fair. It, it, you know, it has enabled ticks again that have come and gone over the years. Um, so anyways, back to the 6 day thing. So there was probably about four or five things that I caught, either nipped it in the bud or saw it coming on. Now, what happened on the 6th day was I was at the end of the bed and I belonged to a um, divorced men's group on Facebook. And there was a gentleman who uh, put up a post that I could relate to. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I was like, whoa. So um, there was a pretty lengthy comment that I was leaving. And all of a sudden, she kicked everything at the end of the bed off and she said, if you're going to text your little whores, you can do it at your place. Get your shit and get out. And I quickly flipped the phone around. I said, what are you talking about? I explained what I was doing. She goes, I saw you change the screen before you flipped it around. I did not change any screen. I said, do you want to see, you know, and this never works, but do you want to see all my apps open? Do you want to look at my history? Like, like what? Like, no, I, you know. And she's like, what's well, so funny? You were at the end of the bed with your phone face in the opposite direction. And I quickly said, yes, but look what's behind me. Your vanity mirror. You can clearly see the blue from Facebook in the background. Still swore she saw me change the screen. Not going to fight a war, I'm not going to win. I said, this is ridiculous. I cannot believe this. But what pissed me off was... She said right after that, You've been up here itching for a fight anyways. You've been looking for me to, for a reason to tell, me to tell you to get out. No, I haven't. So I caught this one. I said, you know what? I said, I've been looking for a fight? I don't think so. Two days before I came up here to stay with you. This is day six now. Two days before I even came up here, I found out that you were trying to text one of your old flames. Now, if I wanted to start a fight, number one, when I first came up here, I would have done it on day one, day two, day three, four, five. And day six, I still didn't bring it up. So, of course, she got angry because, you know, he who makes the rules lives by the rules, changes the rules, can bend the rules, can do whatever you want with the rules because they write the rules. She got mad. She's never wrong, she's never guilty. She got her degree in perfectionism. So, immediately she got upset. She said, um, um, when I accused her of that, she said, um, oh God, what did she say? She said, I did that because I know you've been texting to somebody. I said, oh, come on. I said, well, guess what? Well, if I'm texting somebody, I'm doing it because I know you're texting somebody. She goes, that's a poor excuse. I know the poor excuse that you just said you were using. But I tried telling her, I said, listen, if I was going to start a fight, I would have. She goes, well, you're bringing it up now. You just see, you just caught yourself in a lie. You said you weren't going to bring it up. I go, and I didn't until you're accusing me exactly what you were doing. How can you sit there and literally accuse me and tell me to leave for something you're doing? And that's what I have found out on one of my episodes I had mentioned. Literally everything she accuses me of doing, she has done or is in the process of doing. So, you know, it comes to conclude that this is a very hard disorder for, for both parties. For the person who has it and the person who doesn't have it. And what kills me is the times that I pack up and leave and I look at her. And I know she knows in her mind 
Is any of this true that I just accused him of doing? And she knows I'm not. But again, when somebody's perfect and thinks they're never wrong, they can't apologize. Because what is apologizing? It's admitting guilt. And it's so hard for her to do. And I look at her, and, and I've even tried to say to her so many times, Michelle, you don't have to admit you're wrong. You know the truth. You know I'm not doing this stuff. Please stop. But again, any part of apology, whether it's, you know, accepting what I have to say and keeping it in silence or apologize, any of that is still in the arena of admitting guilt. And it sucks because I look at her and I know she knows I didn't do anything wrong. And I said, I'm going to leave. And she has and will stick by her guns because... Like I said, any foot in the arena of apology is just not her thing. So, you know, I, I've tried being on guard. Um, I've, you know, tried as hard as I can. But you know what? I still love that woman. I still stick by her. And two or three days and things calm down, I go right back up. And even though she throws my face, I never asked you to come back. I know that's the thing. You'll sit there and accuse me of the most horrendous things. Make me leave, no matter what the weather or the temperature. One time she even disconnected my phone. I had a flat time to walk five miles in the rain and found out my AAA wasn't effective and had to jack the car up and everything. And luckily, I had my phone with me with enough battery power for the light. And I still go running back because I love her more than anything in the entire world. I love that woman. I just wish this disorder was not... Of existence. Because it's so confusing. And it wrecks so many lives. And I've been with that woman for 31 years. And I love her. And I'll still go back to her. Because I tell her all the time. You divorced me. I didn't divorce you. I will still be here to the day I die. Holding all my vows true. I really will. And the sickness and health. Doesn't have to be a physical sickness. It's a mental illness. It's a mental sickness. And I will be there for her. But if anybody's got any... Oh my god, any suggestions or comments you could throw in here. I just... It's getting so hard. But I won't give up. But it's killing me. And the thing is, I know what's going to happen. Is the life I am in right now, this merry-go-round, is going to continue and continue and continue. For the main reason I love her, but... I wish, I wish somehow I could get her to step her foot in the arena of apology and make her understand it's not a bad thing to be wrong. It's not a bad thing to apologize. There is no degree of professionalism. We all got our degrees in human, and that's what we are. Humans are humans. We all make mistakes. But, anyways, thank you again for listening. I hope maybe I can answer some of your unanswered questions and maybe you can relate to what I'm going through, or vice versa, and maybe it helps me in a little bit, maybe see things a little more clear, and just remember, if you have somebody in your life that has borderline personality disorder, love them as much as you can, because God damn it, they find it so hard to love themselves. Thank you again for listening. Have a great night, and the holidays are coming up, so happy holidays to all of you. You've been listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. I hope you enjoyed the show, and please check out my many other episodes. I hope you get some beneficial suggestions from my experiences. And remember, we're all responsible for our own choices. 
I'd like to remind you that if you have someone in your life with BPD, try to understand them and love them as much as you can because they find it so hard to be able to understand themselves and love themselves. So thank you again and have a happy life.